Welcome to the Dallas Space Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Louder. Innovation comes in so many forms in so many different ways. We believe this entire Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex is covered with people innovating. We designed this podcast to highlight the innovative things those business leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, problem solvers, the real innovators are doing day in, day out. As always, this show is brought to you by my company, Louderco. We find companies' profits through artificial intelligence and better operations. Like when we helped a massive Fortune 500 company build out their AI strategy to create breakthrough new food and beverage categories. Or when we redesigned the operations of a $100 million services company to add $10 million in net profit to their bottom line. To learn more about us, head to our website, louderco.com. Be sure to download free guides and presentations like our Intro to Artificial Intelligence presentation, or see if your company's even ready for AI through our AI readiness assessment tool. We're about to get the show started. If you like what you hear, it would mean a lot to us if you subscribed and left us a review. And now, enjoy our guests and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Dallas Space Innovator Show presented by Louderco. I'm Andrew Louder. So glad to have our special guest today, Tim Hedrick, his franchise owner over at Moxie Pest Control. I've gotten to know Tim just over the course of uh, being a, a Vistage member. You know, I'm sure we'll probably talk on that a bit here, but you know, he's doing some really cool things over at Moxie Pest Control, and so I'm really thankful that he's on our show here today. So welcome, Tim. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. So I love to kick things off typically with, on our show with just letting our guests do a one to two minute bio about yourself. You know, tell us a bit more about, about you, Tim. Okay. Well, first, I'm originally from uh, near Cleveland, Ohio. So if anyone's ever been out to Ohio, it's a, it's a great place. And uh, I come from a pretty big family. I was second of 11, 11 kids. Um, just massive, a lot of fun, fun stories living on a farm uh, for the, the first 17 years of my life. And uh, kind of how I moved in to uh, getting into pest control is when I went to college, um, I was just looking for summer jobs. And my roommate told me that you could go earn enough to pay for your entire year of school if you went out and did door-to-door pest control sales. Wow. And yeah. And it, I thought that was just the craziest thing I'd ever heard. Um, and I, I had no idea what it was. I, I think I thought it initially I'd be selling cans of Raid, you know, door to door or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it just wasn't, I hadn't grown up on a, like living on like a farmish type environment. I hadn't really been around, you know, like a residential treatment or anything like that, uh, ever seen anything like that. So um, back in 2005, I, I went out for my first summer. And uh, I ended up selling for three years. So for three summers, I'd go to school, come back, go knock doors for the summer. Um, and, and I ended up doing that to pay for my education. Um, right about when I graduated, um, a, a couple of my friends had actually gone off and started their own companies. And I was considering doing that. And the person I've been working for, now my business partner, uh, his name's Jason, Jason Walton, um, we ended up talking and, and deciding to partner up together and, and start opening pest control companies. And so that's what I did back in, <laughs> I graduated in 2008 uh, from BYU with a business management degree uh, with a focus in marketing. And I ended up moving, I had just gotten married, 
uh, moved out to San Diego. I did a year of training, kind of working every position that existed in the pest control company. And then I, I moved in April 2009 out to Northern Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. I didn't know anybody. I had no family there. Um, and I, I had recruited a team to go out and sell pest control door to door and then to run the company of servicing those accounts. Um, Unreal. Yeah, it was great. It was it was definitely and, and also really interesting was opening in 2009. I mean, that was right after the economy crashed. And so yeah. ton, tons of concerns about going door to door in that type of environment. Um, anyways, fast forward, you know, 10 years later, um, I guess 11 now. So this is technically my 17th summer, 17th year being involved in pest control. My 11th year of owning pest control branches. Um, we ended up over that decade selling over $40 million worth of pest control contracts. Wow. Um, and, and today we service tens and tens of thousands of customers. And so um, it's just been a fun, it's been a fun journey. I never would have thought I'd be doing pest control and, uh, yeah. but I'm glad I do. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, when you set off on your journey to you know, go to college, go to you know, business school, all that, did you ever think you'd be where you are right now? Absolutely not. I, um, I, I don't really come from, when I say I don't come from an entrepreneurial family, I don't, I didn't have a lot of family figures that, you know, I grew up around that had ever thought of opening their own business. No one was really doing that. And so I thought I was going to get a job and work for, you know, Procter and Gamble do marketing and uh, yeah. hopefully work my way up the corporate ladder. So imagine Sound my it. parents surprise when I told them I wanted to kill bugs. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I remember first time we met, I believe, was at our um, Vistage holiday party. I had just joined Vistage, which uh, for folks that aren't aware, I, I just I describe it as like basically a, a, a you know, it's an international organization. But you know, we have our small you know twelve or so Vistage group member, and um, that where. We're a board of advisors to each other, other CEOs that can share things and get help from the group. But, um, yeah, we met at the holiday party and I was like, oh, so Tim, what do you do? And he said, I kill bugs. I was like, man, <laughs> that is like the perfect one liner. right? <laughs> uh, it's a really hit on exactly what y'all do. I think you nailed it there. Yeah, but, I like it. It catches everyone a little bit off guard. Just you're not, you, no one's really expecting that. And uh, it's a good way to make light of, I mean, pest control is not really considered a sexy thing, right? Uh, mo most people that are doctors, they want to say, hey, I'm a doctor. Um, I don't know many people that are excited to be doing pest control, but um, I kind of like that I am, you know? Heck yeah. Yeah, and especially you've, you've done so much with it. Absolutely. So about what time... What year did you move to Dallas then? So I moved to Dallas in 2016. Okay. Yeah. And what compared to kind of where you grew up over in, in Cleveland, Ohio to Dallas, you know, what, what do you see some of the differences are between the two? So I think, so I'm from a very small, a small town in mm -hmm. Ohio. Um, I, I like to joke and say that I was raised in 1950s Ohio um, just because yeah. Everything's still back back in the past there. I mean, and, and I like that. I feel like I was raised with 1950s values, 1950s beliefs, mm -hmm. work ethic, all those things. Whereas I guess when I look at Dallas, I think it's very modern. It's very in the now. I mean, you know, there's what, 9 million people here. Um, I, I really see more of a difference between Northern Virginia and Dallas than I did 
in Ohio though, because at least in Ohio, you know, the neighbors are, they're friendly, people talk to you, you know, you know the people in your town. One of the things I love about Dallas is that even though you're dealing with this large area of millions of people, um, it still feels a little bit like Ohio in that. People want to talk to you. They want to they want to get to know you. I remember having I came here uh, just to visit because my wife is actually from here, which is part of why we ended up coming here. Um, and I was just in a, in a supermarket running an errand for her mom. And um, just a stranger started talking to me and asking me how many kids I had and what, <laughs> what life was like. And I was I was so caught off guard because in Northern Virginia, I mean, I'm the kind of guy that walks down the street and says hi. And if you do that in Virginia, they kind of look at you like, are you, why are you talking to me? You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So that's, I'd say that's the difference, at least for me here between here and Virginia. It's a little bit similar yeah. to Ohio in that way though. Yeah. You know, and I'm wondering, cause you know, just for level setting here for people listening to the show, I mean, we're, we're in the middle of the coronavirus crisis, you know, we're, we're all right now kind of the shelter at home, shelter at place. And um, I, I keep kind of wondering, well, how, how are things going to look when we get out of this thing? Saw a headline that Dr. Fauci said we may not shake hands anymore. You know, are we going to be, are we going to get back to the old way of kind of socializing and saying hi to everybody? You know, it's kind of, be curious to see where that goes, but what, what are some of your thoughts around that? Yeah, I, um, man, I think that if you, if you were to label me, I'm more a glass half full than a half empty kind of guy. Um, yeah. I would like to think I'm optimistic. I think, I think that we'll see people once this is over, um, hopefully coming back together like we always have. I, I really do. I, I think although these things can be scary and, you know, obviously we have to take action and do what needs to be done for a while. Um, I'm very hopeful that things will go back to, back to a, a semblance of normalcy and, I don't know. I don't know that the handshake yeah. will be going away. That's what I think. <laughs> I don't think so either. Um, so Tim, I'd love for you to kind of talk us through, you know, the, the Moxie model a bit, kind of how it was before all this crisis stuff hit. And then let's move into a bit like how all the coronavirus stuff has impacted your business. But, you know, how, kind of walk us through um, your approach. I think it sounded to me like you do a lot of recruiting for sales talent and then you put them through a training program, but can you dig into that a bit with us here? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to do that. Um, so the way, one, one of the things that is a, a little bit unique about our model, um, at least in pest control is that I, I feel like pest control is kind of split down the middle. There's a newer generation of pest control owners that, do a lot of their growth through door-to-door -door sales. Um, and, and I'm one of those. So, um, and then there's, and then there's an old school model where they kind of do it the old way. It's a very fragmented industry because it's just a very low barrier to entry. Um, and it's really a blue collar industry. Right. And so, um, there's lots of people that are out there with, you know, a couple hundred customers taking care of their friends and family and their friends and family. Um, and then that's their business, you know, one two hundred thousand dollars in revenue, and and then um, one of the things we've been able to do is achieve very high fast growth by the use of a door to door sales force. Um, and so, generally, what that means for me is I'll go fly out uh, from the months of September to April um, every every month for one to two weeks. I'm out at universities interviewing college kids, um, kind of selling them on my program and why they should come work with me for the summer and. 
the skill set that that's going to that's going to give them um, and how it's going to help them get what they want later in life by doing something hard like door to door sales. Um, and so we, we recruit a large number of those people to come out and and then we put them through the program. Fascinating. So about how many people go through the program? How many college um, students go through the program? So this summer, uh, at least for the branches that I work in and that I own, I, I was going to have about 270 people come out. Got it. And I'm always intrigued by the door-to-door sales model. You know, I think it's it's certainly an, a mix of art and science, right? Like if there's a <laughs> there's a process to it. You've, I think you definitely have to have some guts to yourself because you know you're likely getting a, a more no's than yeses. I don't know if that's the case for you guys, but you know, talk to me. Tell me a bit, kind of like what are some of the personality traits maybe you're looking for, and then and you know, what what are some of those keys to being you're good at that job. Yeah. I, so I, at the end of the day, if you want to get really good at door to door sales, and I guess, let me start by saying this. I think door to door sales still to this day is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's the hardest thing. Um, and so yeah. when, when you're teaching someone how to do it, um, the first step is that we treat them, we, we teach them how to know verbally what things to say and then once they have that base of, of knowledge, um, we then teach them non-verbally how they want to respond. And so when I talk about, um, you know, your non-verbal communication skills, right, they say that 80 to 90% wow. of what we communicate is non-verbal. Um, you're trying to work with, you know, your body language and then you're trying, which, you know, what you do with your eyes, um, your hands, the way you're moving or not moving. And then you're trying to work with the paraverbals, so the tone and pitch of your voice, um, how that causes someone to feel. Um, and, and, and part of why you're doing that is because when, when you go to a door, um, you just have to understand that that person on the other side usually hates you initially, right? They, yeah. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't want you there. They, well, why are you there? Why are, why are you bothering them? Um, that's very, very common. And so part of that, though, is like we're, they're ingrained to feel that, right? And when you think of a, I guess I'll ask you, when you think of a salesman, what are the things that come to your mind? Like, what's the feeling that evokes to you? And if I said, <laughs> door-to-door salesman, go ahead, just say it to me. Oh, damn. It's like, okay, how much time am I going to spend with this guy? Is he going to, you know, what does he look like? Uh, are they going to barge down my door and take my house hostage? You know, I mean, those are crazy thoughts. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. but pro- probably also like annoying, um, pushy Right. Yeah. Yeah. Here, wasting my time. Confrontational. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. So they're coming at you with that, and and again, eighty to ninety percent of that's like the body language, is just kind of what are you doing here? So your yeah. job when you come to the door is you're trying to calm them, like you're trying to have calming nonverbal communication skills, because what they're expecting is for you to act out that script to reinforce that belief system. Right? They are expecting mm-hmm. that, and yeah. a large number of door guys follow suit. Right. Um, I would probably say huh. that uh, most door-to-door guys, you're <laughs> you're dealing with all sorts of people from walks of life, right? Oh and yeah. So, so I'm not I'm not hiring like a guy that lost his job last week who maybe has a criminal background to go knock your door. I'm hiring a guy mm-hmm. that's going to be the doctor treating your kids once he graduates from college. That's the guy that yeah. I have knocking your door. And so when he comes to your door, I'm going to teach him how to stand, how to move. Um, how to, how to talk, how to look, how to sound, 
so that when you're expecting him to be one way, he's going to be all the other things. And if he mm-hmm. does that well in the first eight to 10 seconds, then he's going to have another 30. And that's when he's going to start moving into the parts of his approach to sell you on the value of the service. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. In fact, your question made me think about, um, you know, there've been times where somebody comes to our door and it's usually like a, I, I try to be as respectful as possible. Right. It's like a, you know, thank you so much. And actually I started my career in sales. And so I, I understand the, the pain that goes along with it. <laughs> and so I, I try to be as respectful. I generally say things like, man, I appreciate your effort. Thanks so much. I think we're all set here, that sort of thing. But every now and then um, I get turned around because the, maybe something the guy says or the knowledge that he shares or there, there's always just like a I, I, I it's hard to put a finger on it but it feels like they just know what they're doing they're a consummate sales professional and that just that gets me to buy into it and my wife will ask me oh, why why the heck did you sign us up for this i was like i don't know i just felt like this guy knew what he was doing and um it's something we i've been thinking about getting and yeah, all those type of things play into it but Yep. Yeah, I'm always and, fascinated by that. And, and, and reps will hear that all the time. They'll hear the statement, you know, I never buy from door-to-door salesmen. You're, right. I, don't, I don't understand why I'm buying from you. And, and the real truth is because you're buying, people are buying you. They're not, they're not even buying your product. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that's the general rule. And the good news is our product is really good when they get it too, so they're happy. But they really are buying, buying the salesman. It matters way less what they say. It matters way more how they say it. Yeah. And, you know, I should have maybe even mentioned full disclosure. I, my family is a Moxie customer. Um, It wasn't through the door to door (laughs) process. It was because I I met you and there was a need there and you you connected us and all that. And so I've, I've been um, really pleasantly surprised by the service. And I know (laughs) it's going to seem like this, (laughs) this was a setup, but that, you know, definitely not the case. Very professional um you know the 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 people coming to the house you know, have been really professional the communication has been exceptional you know exactly when they're coming the customer portal that to, to handle payments and all that very professionally done and to me it, it goes beyond even my expectation of a pest company you know it seems like you guys have really put the customer experience at the forefront of all this right well, yeah. Th- I mean, first, thank you for saying that. I, I definitely feel like we've we've tried to. I feel like we've tried to go above and beyond um, in the things that we do, so that you not only get what you're paying for, but hopefully you're getting more than you're paying for. Hopefully, we're over delivering on the things that you're looking for. Um, I'd like to think that we're a premium level pest service provider um, mm-hmm. that goes above and beyond. You know, a guy grabbing a can and killing your bugs. Which is, I think, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, I think there's right, a lot. Yeah, right. So, Tim, you may have mentioned this earlier. How long does your training program last with these college students? Well, um, when you say, you know, I guess the way I look at it is this. Every, every day that they're out here selling, they're being trained. Um, a typical oh, summer experience is about 100 days, um, depending on the school they go to. Uh, for example, if I'm recruiting out of an Arizona university, uh, those kids, they, they tend to only have three months. Whereas if I go, there's a university in Idaho um, where they have five months uh, the, the, from the break from winter to fall semester. And so 
somewhere between three and five months they're out there. Um, and then while we're recruiting, we also go out to the universities and are providing weekly uh, and monthly trainings as well to help them hone their craft. Um, many college students that come out, they, they do it for several years, uh, usually while they're through college. And many of them have actually turned, believe it or not, door-to-door sales into their career um, as mm-hmm. they've gone through our program. That's cool. And I wanted to circle back to that because I know with this coronavirus stuff going on, it's really altered things on y'all's end. So would you mind sharing with us a bit how this has impacted you guys? Yeah. I Well, first, I'd probably start off by saying I feel really fortunate and lucky to um, be able to continue to operate as an essential service You know, during these right. times. It's a huge blessing just to be able to still pay our people and take care of them. Um, with the uncertainty going on, I would say where it's affected us the most is just in our ability to do door-to-door sales Um, for a lot of college kids. I mean, this is how they pay for their schooling. And so to have that taken away from them is tough. And um, I would, you know, we, we were kind of projecting to go do have $15 million in sales in four months this summer. And that's for sure all completely changed. Um, from that standpoint. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think that's been a, it's definitely thrown us for a loop and I'm really excited to solve those problems. Yeah. And I was, um, when I, I got an email from Moxie talking about the new, you know, a new service you guys were offering around kind of the, the home sanitization or home um, COVID treatments. And I thought, yeah. I, I, when I got that, I thought that was a, a great, sort of shift or pivot, however you want to kind of phrase it for right now, but how, how has that been going for you guys? And um, yeah, how did y'all get to that point in fact? Well, um, there, you know, we've known that there are some virus side treatments that you can do. Um, you know, they're commonly used in hospitals, um, daycares, mm-hmm. places like that. Um, and it's not really been a hot service line, but um, now it's, it's become, you know, people are really interested in it. And I think we've seen good success in, um, you know, home builders, commercial places, especially where they maybe want that peace of mind and to be able to say, hey, our facility has been treated. We're, we're taking care of this. You're okay to come in. Um, I think that's probably where we've seen success. I think my main goal with it is I just want to, I just want to be helpful. I mean, I think there's, mm-hmm. um, I think that this is kind of a trying time. And I think that that's probably a pretty useful service for people to have right now. Yeah, I think so too. And um, yeah, I think if anything, to your point, it really just provides some additional peace of mind, you know, knowing I've got, I've got three kids now and um, thankfully uh, we haven't been impacted by that, but for families that have been, or perhaps have been um, around people that have been um, hit with, coronavirus i mean something like that would help with a lot of peace of mind so yeah. i think that's a, that's a really helpful service you are offering there thanks yeah i i hope i hope so i hope that we're able to help a few people so yeah so i know um you mentioned you know the the these college students many of them kind of continue on what's their path usually do they do many of them stay on with moxie over the years and take on new roles yeah, so um, generally I see them uh, go into one of three paths. Um, they either get into operations where they go help us open and run branches, uh, branch locations. 
Um, or I see them go segue into uh, doing termite sales where we'll kind of, you know, every day have a have 10 homes that they can go to to do termite inspections and then, you know, do a conduct a termite sale um, to sell our termite prevention and treatment. Um, or they stay directly in the door-to-door -door program. And the way that that really works is um, generally if you your first summer, if you come out, if you've had um, a, a certain measure of success, you'll be invited to come back and uh, recruit a team of people to come with you. And then you then manage that, that team. And as you grow that group of people, um, because more come back every single year, I mean, I have some college kids that are running, you know, running a team, a group of a hundred people that they're wow. responsible for all the revenue production in a couple markets, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so that becomes a pretty attractive career. Door-to-door um, -door sales is it also turned out to be really lucrative for, for people while they're in school. And so I, I've actually had people reconsider being attorneys and doctors to wow. come do pest control sales. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's a great opportunity. It's just and a lot of you're, work. <laughs> you're kind of, you're a, a living testimony to that, right? I mean, you—that's how you started, right? Yeah. And yeah, you know, absolutely. as as you're growing through those ranks, or kind of kind of taking on new roles, new responsibilities, growing as a leader, you know, at what point did you say, "Dang, like I can do this. Um, you know, this this is my thing now," and you know, kind of get into that the ownership state of this. So for me. Um, I feel like I'm kind of a purpose pursuer. Um, and that's not to say I don't have strong financial goals, but what really, what really flipped yeah. the switch for me was, um, I, so I really believe what we teach these kids. So when they're coming out, when I'm recruiting someone to come out, kind of my pitch to them is, I'm gonna take you into my environment. I'm gonna teach you how to maintain your integrity in a sales environment, how to, how to become and check yourself on being honest on a daily basis. I'm going to teach you how to uh, get better at doing the things you say you're going to do at being disciplined at making and keeping commitments. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to teach you how to lead and influence and persuade others through verbal and nonverbal communication. And my goal mm -hmm. is that someone that comes through my program, I want to help you be a better man or woman at the end of the summer than when you started. And um, as I was going through that, uh, process with people over the years, I just started having so many people kind of call me back and nobody was calling me to say, Hey, thanks for all that money. I made those years selling for you. They were, they were right. calling me saying, Hey, your program changed my life. Like I'm a better husband. I'm better. In, I'm further in my career. I'm, I'm better, mm -hmm. you know, personally because of the things I learned while I worked for you. And I started finding a lot of purpose in that. And so, um, I don't know, some people know what they want to do. Some people like already have that all mapped out or they have this dream. And, right. uh, for me, I kind of fell in love with what I was doing and I found purpose in it that went kind of beyond, uh, yeah. probably what I would have ever expected. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It really does. Um, yeah, I know. Some can look at it as you know, as training, you know, training program. But to me, it sounds like you're cultivating people, right? I mean, it's really what it is, and you're equipping them with tools that will not only make them successful on the job with Moxie, but well beyond, you know, wherever whatever path they they opt to take, right? 
Yeah, that's the goal. Um, and I, I, I'd like to think that when I'm at my best, that that is what I'm doing. Um, yeah. And I love it. I think that's super fun. I think there's a few things that feel better than that than, than helping someone else become more than they were or helping them unlock their potential a little bit, you know, that's yeah. a super fulfilling thing. Very cool. So how many uh, different cities are you guys in at this point? So we have, um, we have two branches in Northern Virginia, one in a city called Chantilly, one in a city called Stafford. We're in Dallas, San Antonio, um, Denver, Colorado, and then Las Vegas, Nevada. Got it. How, how do you, I guess at what point did y'all determine to go into those locations or, you know, do you, are you guys always looking into new markets? Um, yeah, I, I think we are always looking into new markets. Um, I, I do think that, because of the nature of being able to do door to door, it's not, I don't, I, I less have the need to go say, can, I don't know what's online advertising going to give me as far as pest control uh, accounts in Denver. Yeah. Right. If I, if right. I want there to be 5,000 customers, I can go, I can go create them there directly by my own efforts. And mm -hmm. so I personally would like to be, in as many cities as possible that still allows me to do this work in a fulfilling way. So right. when it stops feeling fulfilling, I will not feel as, I, I just won't, it won't be fun for me anymore. Right. So I like doing this and yeah. I want to grow because it's fun. Um, not, not so much because opening five more branches will significantly <laughs> change my personal life at this point. Right. Right. Now I'm with you there. Yeah. I've always kind of felt the same way. It, there have been opportunities, um, business opportunities, friends coming to me with opportunities, potential partnerships, that sort of thing. And it's like, if it's not something I can just, you know, be passionate about, feel that sense of purpose with, I just can't see myself living life that way. You know, uh, maybe yeah. that's something that you, you feel as well, but I do. Um, Tim, how about we move into our lightning round now? Okay. So some of these might be quick answers. Some of them we can dig into a little bit more, but uh, let's just jump right in. Okay. What do you wish you had known when you started down this path? Like if you could go tell your younger self something, what would that be? Um, learn accounting really, really well. <laughs> <laughs> I, That's a good I one. Wish, <laughs> I wish I had. I do now. Yeah, it's is that because we sat through uh, a few hours of accounting of an accounting presentation just yesterday in our Vistage meeting? You know, you would think it is, but that isn't why. That's actually why I joined Vistage. Um, yeah. I've been a Vistage member for several several years. I started actually in Virginia, and it was because of my lack of knowledge in that area. And I just realized, man, I need to. It, I, what I learned is that it's really easy for me to put on revenue. Making money off of that revenue is a whole nother ballgame. Yeah. And um, you really need to understand a lot about your business and your books if you want that to uh, happen. And uh, that's why I ended up earn, joining Visage early on. And um, it was a great experience, totally changed everything that I was doing. So that's awesome. So it sounds like Visage has influenced you pretty well here this last few years, but. What else has really served to to influence you throughout your life? Um, I think so. I mean, I have. I feel like if I if there were two people that influenced me the most, I would say my yeah. father. My father, for sure, for teaching me 
to be a principle centered person. Um, mm. I, and to value, to value that over oh, almost anything else. Um, I, mm-hmm. That's really important to me like that. So when I talk about 1950s Ohio, I think a lot of that, like wh- what is the worth of your family name? Like, do you feel like you're representing them? Does that matter to you? What does it yeah. mean to work hard? Um, everyone has different perceptions. I think my dad gave me some really well-grounded ones. And then I'd say the second would be my business partner now, Jason Walton. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, met him well in college and he kind of became a father figure to me on the business side of things. And um, I think, you know, he introduced me to uh, a book, the seven habits of highly effective people. Um, And that kind of became a huge part of our leadership training program here and profoundly impacted my life. And so I think that would probably be, those are some pretty big hinges that my door has swung on. Yeah. That's incredible. And to have such a mentor coming right out of college like that, so valuable. Yeah, no, it's I, impacted I, your life. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything you're learning about right now? Man, I, um, I, I am a nonstop reader. Um, I read all the time. And uh, I guess right now I'm learning about John D. Rockefeller. I'm learning about his life. Oh, nice. about, <laughs> I've been reading his biography. It's, a, it's about 1,200 pages. Uh, I've seen it. It's humongous. (laughs) It is. Yeah. It's been really fascinating. What I found fascinating that I'm learning about is how um, he obviously ran a monopoly and which is now illegal, but it's really interesting how none of that stuff was illegal back then and how he developed what he did and then seeing the government's reactions to that, which has literally created our entire way of thinking about those things nowadays. Um, It's just been a fascinating read. So that's what I'm currently learning about. That's cool. Do you find yourself reading a lot of biographies or um, I guess what's your genre of choice? So I like, I like anything, you know, self-help business nonfiction. Cherno is my favorite biographer. um, And so I've read most of his probably Alexander Hamilton being my favorite uh, Mm -hmm. to this point. But um, yeah, I think I read a lot of, you know, even old school ones like rich dad, poor dad, or, Tony Robbins stuff or seven habits or think and grow rich. I mean, these are all, those were the books that I probably, that I started reading in college that totally changed the way my mind thought about these types of things. Mm -hmm. No, those are, uh, those are all classics. You know, I think of those, the one I haven't read yet is um, think and grow rich. I feel like I've come across it and it's like, I, I just need to sit down and read that one. It's a good book. Uh, the one I hear most people say is how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. Um, but for me, think and grow rich blew that out of the water. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. So, um, do you drink coffee, Tim? I don't, but, um, I do drink monster energy drinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, what's your, what's your average monster intake on any given day? Oh man, I went. I you went don't want to say. Off. Yeah, I, I probably should stop. I I'd say probably 500 milligrams a day. If I'm if you're including any pre workout I take uh, to go do a workout at the gym, that that might happen. Otherwise, it might stay around 200 milligrams. Yeah, I probably okay. shouldn't know that. Remember, a part of my job is uh, recruiting college kids, and so I'm with them all the time, and uh-huh. I am profoundly influenced. I, in in some ways, I've never grown up, and that would probably be one of them. <laughs> I can't imagine how much energy it takes right now to, to keep up with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm starting to get up there, but uh, I don't know. 
it's also what keeps you young, you know. So yeah, it's a good thing. Now, what about the adult drink of choice? Man, you know, I actually I don't drink alcohol, so I'm uh, I'm a water yeah. guy. Yeah, oh, I've been nice. I've been all my life. Yeah. So I guess that, that's good. Yeah, we we call my adult drink. Those are the those are diet cokes and monsters. When I go out, with drinks, <laughs> I usually I usually go for one of those and I get a few yeah. laughs. Now I'm that's I'm very good. popular though because it means I'm always counted on for the designated driver. So I have a lot of that's friends. That's true. That's very <laughs> true. That's good. Very. Good. That's something to count on. Oh, yeah. Um, are you are you listening to any podcasts right now? Well, I recently was turned on to the Dallas Innovators podcast. And so <laughs> <laughs> it's a I good one. A, it is a good one. I, I consumed a few of those. Um, I am a huge fan of Ed Milet and his podcast, um, as as well as Joe Rogan's. I would say those two, I'm pretty consistent on. Yeah, I've got to tell you, I, I have not heard either of theirs. I know they're they're really good. I just haven't gotten to those. I need to. I love them. I, I try and do them uh, while I'm working out. Uh, that way I'm doing something productive while I'm doing something productive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Double whammy. <laughs> trying. Would, yeah. Would you say you're a morning person or a night person? Morning, for sure. Just up and at them, ready to go? Yeah. I, I mean, I wake up pumped. My, my wife's the opposite. So, so she kind of let, you know, it's, it's always been a funny part of our relationship. So Unreal. You're gonna have to teach me how to do that. <laughs> I have no idea what that's like. I'm a I'm more of a night owl myself. Okay. Yeah. I don't, and and I don't. even maybe most times, probably just burning the candle on both ends. But yeah, need to get away well, from that a bit. It, it, I think it started. You know, I served a mission for my church. I lived in Brazil for two years, uh, 2001 mm-hmm. to 2003, and you, you have to wake up at six in the morning. Ever since then. I've just been an early guy. I mean, even when I'd knock doors, I'd wake up at four or five in the morning, go to the gym for two hours, and then I go and then I go walk ten miles in self pest control. And wow. I've just always loved waking up early since that time. Just got became a habit. That's awesome. Yeah, that's what I need to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you look forward to most each weekend? Um, you know, I think it's a good question. I Right now, currently, I think it's changed over the years. This, this time in my life, I look forward to doing weekend chores with my kids. Um, I have a goal where I'm just trying to have them see me do manual tasks around the house that I absolutely don't want to do, that I totally could be paying someone else to do. Um, because I'm realizing <laughs> that in my desire to not do those things, my kids are going to grow up and just kind of be not like not gritty they're not going to have right that experience i had and and while i'm not going to give them you know i'll probably never get close to giving them those you know eight hour mowing lawn sessions that it took to mow the (laughs) multiple acres we were on um but i am gonna let them know that i'm gonna get in the dirt with them and and do the work i i think i'm enjoying that right now so that thought's crossed my mind so many times (laughs) yeah just there's going to come a point where I shut off the, the mowing service, you know, fire up the old lawnmower. And I'm like, all right, son, I'm going to show you how this is done. <laughs> you know? it's, I, it's a great thing, right? And it's it's kind of funny how much discipline it takes. To, like, it should not take the amount of discipline that it's requiring for me to be willing yeah. to go and do that. But, um, you know, doing hard things is fun. And I, I think that's yeah. really what I want to teach him. 
So. I'm with you there. I'm with you. All right. Well, you successfully made it through the lightning round, Tim. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So aside from you know, answering the door when Moxie comes knocking, what, what are some other ways a customer could get a hold of you guys? Well, they can find us online. Um, our website is moxieservices.com. Um, they can also, uh, we have an Instagram um, as well, Moxie Services. Um, and then they also can see our trucks everywhere. They're, they're painted completely blue. Um, they should stand out in everything that's going on. Um, or they can call our number uh, here in Texas. It's, you know, 817-659-2888. That's awesome. Yeah, about those vans, I think you guys have done a great job of just branding yourselves. Um, getting oh, away you. from, like, I think, when I think the pest control, I think, you know, tons of stuff on the vans, tons of phone numbers, logos, all kinds of stuff. But, uh, you know, it's a really good, clean approach, really stands out. Thank you. I'm glad you feel that way. I think simple, yeah. simple just feels a little bit better to me. So absolutely. Well, Tim, I can't thank you enough for being a guest on our show. You know, it's been a blast. You've been awesome, um, especially you know making the time right now with all that's going on um, with in the world and everybody's business, all that. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Gonna have to have you on again another time. Okay, I'll look, I'll look forward to it. <laughs> awesome. And I'd like to thank all our listeners for uh, listening to the Louder Co. Dallas Space Innovators podcast. I'm Andrew Louder signing out. That's our show for today. We hope you took away something valuable. Be sure to visit LouderCo at louderco.com for more. Thank you again and stay tuned for more from Dallas-based innovators.